And we're back. Well, we're back. Um, it's the hero's path. That's right. The, I forgot we had a name for the podcast. And we we t- so we finished. We beat Tears of the Kingdom. We saw the credits. We've seen the Tears of the Kingdom. The tears were shed. Um, it turns out that it was Tears of the Kingdom and not Terrors of the Kingdom. I really thought that it was going to be about someone ripping up a kingdom. I dropped a clothespin. You should use a recall to pop that back in your hand. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about recall. Um, or you wanted to talk specifically about the gameplay. Oh, did I? I think that we should... Yeah, or how you wanted to talk about how the game plays. And I was like, so we can do segment one gameplay okay i don't think that was me that put that on there but i will uh pretend like you i did completely said <laughs> scroll back listener let's talk about the game and how it plays uh so it's you, you there I, I guess we can talk about you have new toys i mostly want to talk about this is zach at twelve fifty-seven p.m my overall opinion of how the game plays okay Whoever that person in the past, I don't, I don't recognize this person, but that's fine. Go on. Uh, I don't know. The new toys are good, uh, yeah. in, in varying degrees. Uh, the Ultra Hand is like it has broken like every programmer I know with how like immaculate it is. Like, that the fact that it actually works? The fact that it works and that it works so well. Uh-huh. Like, it's a thing. I was reading developer interviews, uh, and they basically, in the in the dev interview that's out there for Tears of the Kingdom, they talk about how the game was basically done a year ago. And they spent a year just polishing. And, like, specifically polishing physics stuff. And it yeah. shows. Yes. It is a feat what they have accomplished there. It looks like stuff that you've done in other games, like Kerbal Space Program or whatever, uh, gluing things together. And so when you start out playing with Ultra Hand, you're like, well, I'll try this, but it'll break immediately. But it'll be fun to try it at least. And then it doesn't break. Whatever stupid idea you had frequently actually works, or at least doesn't fall apart. Yeah. I do think that when we get into some of the more puzzle stuff to talk about, I the style of puzzles that come out of being able to build mechanisms is something that I ended up bristling against in a, in, in several cases. Interesting. Uh, when we get into the some of the the specific dungeon stuff, we can talk about that a little bit. But yeah, I. The, because your tool set is about building mechanisms, I found that if you did not comprehend the mechanism, uh, it made the puzzle situation just not fun. Huh. That's too bad. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, I think that overall, the game really is like, you can think of it as a sequel to Breath in the Wild purely mechanically. Like, these are the sequels to the toys you had in Breath of the Wild. Does that make sense? 
I think there's some cases where that's true, but I don't think that's the, well, in this case it is. Um, but then like, uh, what's it called? Um, where you, you slap the thing on the thing. What's it called? Um, fuse. Fuse. I was going to say merge, but I knew that wasn't the word. Uh, fuse is something that is like not fuse is entirely like new. Uh, well, I, I wasn't saying that it was a direct thing, but sure. Um, well, well, in comparison to Ultrahand, which is kind of built out of Magnesis in a lot of ways. Okay. Uh, I love Fuse. I think it's my favorite ability. Um, it solves, like, a lot of the issues you run into with, like, stockpiling items and it, it, from, from Breath of the Wild, where... Now a lot of items you had before that just sat in your inventory are like have a new use such yeah, that like yeah. I see a keys I'm like oh I got to get that keys because I'll get some key size and those are invaluable mm. and it just like feeds into the 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 loop of like item a uh, weapon specifically that are like going in and out of your inventory yeah yeah in a way that is just like extremely good I really enjoyed that Though I think that some of the implementation is a little clunky in, like, you can't, like, craft a bunch of arrows ahead of time. Every time you shoot an arrow and you want to slap something on it, you got to pop open that menu. Yeah. And, like, if you want to attach something from your inventory to the end of a stick, you have to drop it on the ground first. Yeah, I kept wondering, I, I, I was thinking I must be doing that wrong. There must be a way to fuse things more conveniently. Uh, but it, I'm happy to find out that I wasn't just confused and it actually is clunky. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that's just them not wanting to fundamentally change anything in the game from the way Breath of the Wild did it. Like that would have necessitated like a whole extra like menu or something like that. Like, and so they weren't willing to like go back and redo any of the stuff they've already done to a lot of the extent, I think. Maybe, I don't know. Had there been, like, a crafting menu to pre-make a bunch of stuff with Fuse, that would have gone... It might have made making a bunch of bomb arrows more convenient, but it'd be kind of antithetical to what... the way Breath of the Wild did it, so they're like, we're not going to do that in Tears of the Kingdom. I guess. I, like, the... The interface for picking out ingredients to hold in your hand, I feel like uh, an interface for fusing things in your inventory wouldn't have been too far off from that. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, I still like Fuse a lot. <laughs> I, like, it's, it, I wasn't blown away by Fuse. I thought the other stuff was more fun. And I I feel like as cool as Fuse is... It didn't really uh, change my approach to weapons. Like, I feel like I was still hoarding weapons all the time. And um, instead of being afraid to um, afraid to use a good weapon like I was in Breath of the Wild, I was always um, save the good stuff and be, like, scrounging for bad weapons to use um, in... Um, Tears of the Kingdom, I would be not only hoarding good weapons, but hoarding good um, fusible items and never being able to bring myself to use them. 
So. I just enjoyed the fact that I had to weigh the idea of, well, do I want to hang on to this to use it to upgrade some armor eventually, or do I want to use this as ammunition? Well, I guess, I mean, I always feel like I want to save it to upgrade armor, because I remember from Breath of the Wild that uh, <laughs> when you decide that you want to really upgrade some armor, then you are kicking yourself for ever using any of those items that you need for upgrades you're like well i didn't really need that at that point now i could get a permanent bonus out of it but i use it to make a stupid elixir 20 hours ago mm. but you have to weigh those options and i like that i think is what it is okay but anyway we got to talk about ascend ascend is nut bars <laughs> I heard anecdotally that this was a debug thing that they put in that the de that they liked so much they were like we can just make this a core part of the game. That's cool. Yeah, that's rad. I I we talked about it before the game even came out when they kind of were like when uh, what's his face uh, the Zelda man did like a really quick little like here's what the game is and with Ascend it's kind of just like a more limited version of Rivali's Guild that you have at all times. And it just makes traversal mm -hmm. feel really good. Someone is stomping around the house. Creepy. Slamming a lot of doors. And there's a ghost who cool. stomps. It, um, it also... Um, <laughs> what do you call it? It also makes it... It makes caves be something that this game can do and not be, like, onerous. Interesting. Because you can just do a cave, and when you're done with it, you just pop out. You're just done. Okay, I'm done. I'm out. Yep. Yep. In a very, like, simple way that feels good. Um, And then, like, I... My experience with Ascend was, for, like, half of the game, I couldn't remember that i had it uh there are a lot of places still where um i'll like in the late game i would do this 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 and this and then i would realize um oh if i had thought to ascend there five minutes ago i could have saved myself all this stuff um and then i look online after i break the embargo of looking at stuff online and i find out that you can ascend through a talus to get on top of a talus i did find out about that later on and i'm like that's cute that's fun you can ascend through the um thardis the sky thardis robots that i figured out the one i didn't figure out with that i was watching somebody i was watching a like the night of playthrough somebody did and i didn't know you could just ultra hand the weak point away from the golem oh you just grab it and shake and uh pop that thing off of there interesting bizarre it's cool well okay there's a lot of new enemies in this game they heard there's a our lot complaints uh-huh <laughs> oh then we uh should talk about recall recall is another one that i keep forgetting i have and i think probably has Tons and tons of uses that have not occurred to me. Yeah, it's like, I feel like this is a very direct iteration on stasis. Sure. Um, but it's 
deceptive because it has properties that you don't really think of until i until at least for me until very late when i ran into a shrine which kind of like said hey have you considered this property where uh when you activate it and hit it hit an object with it that object can lose momentum okay oh so like if something is shooting at you i think you can just recall it and it'll just drop well yeah that's answer isn't neat and so I know, right, I imagine, like, people will probably do a lot with that. Yes. Um, here we are. We're, we're looking at the game's been out for, like, two weeks. And it's clear that these toys are... the. I, I don't really think of the, the abilities in this game as direct sequels to each of the abilities in Breath of the, uh, Breath of the Wild abilities. But, like... The idea of Breath of the Wild saying, here's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with the environment, but there are limitations because we can't let you go crazy with it. Tears of the Kingdom seems to be saying, here's a bunch of cool stuff with that you can do with the environment. And uh, I don't know why we gave you those limitations before. I think we can trust you to just go crazy with it. And the amount of bizarre nonsense that we're going to see with these extremely open-ended abilities um after this game has been out for like an entire year or something uh it's really exciting yeah to see how it's going to be wrecked in half by human creativity i think the speedrun leaderboards open up today as of this recording oh interesting uh, I know it was down to 90 minutes like a week ago, so... Did you say 90? 9-0. Okay. Which seems like, you know, room for improvement. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the only other toys to talk about are more the fact that you, instead of getting champion abilities, you get little ghost versions of the sages that follow you around and give you abilities. Yeah. And... There's, I, I think there's a lot to be learned about these, too, because I couldn't bring myself to turn them off. And so I've seen people complain about how uh, ridiculous combat is with five ghosts running around who you can't control. Uh, but I think when people figure out that you can, like, enable or disable them selectively to execute plans... Um, there's a lot of room for becoming proficient with these ghosts. Yeah, I definitely... Especially um, the last one seems like a very cool toy. I That one's weird. We'll talk about it. Uh, but I definitely had to like turn people on and off to accomplish goals, especially when I'm trying to use uh, Unobo to knock down walls in caves. Uh-huh. And he likes to stay way in the back. And I'm like, no, I need you over here so I can knock this yeah. wall down. Please come here. Or um, just when when there's a fight going on and I want to pick up the bones of everything that are left over. And I keep on like activating Richu instead of picking up some bones. Yeah. I think we're going to learn. And it's too bad it's not easier to activate and deactivate them. But. Again, I think that like the the potential for becoming incredibly proficient with this game 
and turning yourself into some artificer ninja is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's time for segment number two. Um, Zach, tell us how you went through the game. Yeah, I wanted to just, like, spell out that I took an approach to playing this game that I think tailored my experience, uh, not necessarily for the better. Uh, I described the way I was playing this game to somebody as making myself smoke the whole pack. Uh, (laughs) I played, I was at 120 hours when I beat the game, which means I played 60 hours a week for two weeks to barrel through this game and see as much of it as possible as fast as possible. And it's a weird, like, confluence of reasons that came to that, you know. I I don't think I will ever do this with the video game again. Because you're old. Well, because I'm old, but also, like, this is a Zelda game, and so I like to play the Zelda game that comes out because I'm a fan of the Zelda game. But this is also, like, a sequel to a game I was very invested in because we podcasted about it for a year or six months or whatever it was. And because it's, and it is a direct sequel, a direct sequel where like I was on immense guard for not wanting to see anything. Cause I wanted to experience it all myself. And also I just had the time in this particular time. So it was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to fully engross myself in this. And playing the game that way i think detracted well it detracted from the experience i feel like i am mixed on this game this very good game i am kind of mixed on and we'll talk about more stuff about why but um that's not what this question was i was going to mention that i the order i did stuff in which was i got all of the towers before anything else Uh, i did the entire newspaper um mini quest then i collected the memories and then i progressed through the rest of the game yeah yeah and then i did Um, the uh the sky all at once and the oh yeah the depths all at once so i like very meticulously went thing by thing by thing and that made the game less fun i think i i mean yeah yeah uh it's time for segment number three the way i did it basically very close to the same way but i wasn't um i wasn't like excited about doing all the towers first the way you were Um, i was trying to do the towers but i let myself get distracted by stuff i remember i started doing the water temple that's kind of the first thing i did was i went over to Zora land and I did the whole water temple quest and I did the whole water temple dungeon and I got to the boss and I was like I have four hearts I'm not going to be able to take on this boss <laughs> that boss so is uh, pain I, so I, I I sympathize it's a cool guy though um, and so then I went around and I think I did all the memories then and then I got a bunch of shrines and I probably finished the towers and then I came back with you know a better loadout and then I think I did the four dungeons after that. Uh, but yeah, we both got all the memories before we did any of the dungeons. Is that right? Uh, yeah, at least in my, yeah, I think in both our cases, okay. yeah. I want to, 
I'm trying to remember because I think this is a a major point. When do the memories show up? They're there. When does it become possible to drink those tears? Uh, There is. I think they're just, I, I guess I don't know that they're, whether they're just there in the world or not. The the, the geoglyphs are there. Uh, there is a quest from that you have to go hang out with Impa that kind of prompts you on what to do with them. That's right. But if you know, you probably could just go get them. Huh. Dang it, you're right. There's a lot of stuff in this game where the quest structure is obnoxious, and that's one of them. Uh-huh. Yes. Um... Do you want to do segment four, the quest structure? <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so, the actually, segment four is the basic story outline. And how quest structure interacts with that. Because the idea is... Oh my gosh. If you ignore the memories, the whole game seems to be a story of where is Zelda? She seems to be all over the place causing problems or being associated with problems and um, being possibly evil. And the, um, the newspaper quests and the dungeon quests are all about uh, like tr- trying to track Zelda down and finding out that the Zelda that you're seeing everywhere is probably not really Zelda. And it's probably Ganondorf using a Zelda clone to cause havoc. And the thing is, there are so many clues, there are so many ways to discover that it's not really Zelda at all these places, and it's probably a bad clone. Um, that you're going to figure this out, or the game, you're not going to figure it out. The game is going to make it very clear to you long before the supposed linear plot of the game is going to admit that that's what's going on. You know what I mean? I, I didn't even realize that's what they were going for initially because the first couple times you interact with this weird spectral Zelda, it's kind of a value neutral experience. Uh, like th- the game does a really awkward quest where they send you over towards Hyrule Castle for like a minute, so you can just see her ascend into the sky, and like that yeah. doesn't tell you anything. That that's I'm still not sure what we're supposed to get out of that nothing there's nothing there it's just a weird extra step and this game loves weird extra steps that you can also just avoid because from what i understand most you know if you do stuff out of order when some of the stuff we did do out of order the game still Mm -hmm. reacts to that um but you have like that step and then i went to um the rito area and like from the rito story i didn't even get the impression that the zelda was supposed to be like menacing she's just kind of spooky and ethereal i'm like okay well that's fine and she's, yeah, she's leading you toward the dungeon where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, no, there are other places where uh, Goron area, she's clearly being bad. Zora area, I don't really remember them talking about her at all. Not at all. In, I... 
Yeah. In fact, I thought that the sage voice that you're hearing, come to me, come to me, I thought that was Zelda. And it was only after I did all the other dungeons that I realized that, that it's the sage talking to you. Uh-huh. And um, Zelda isn't around to say, come to me. Um, but, okay, so there's a, a clunkily executed mystery where, where is Zelda... Who is this Zelda that we see all over the place? It's someone masquerading as Zelda. Yeah, and you get that, like, fifth dungeon where they just send you up into Hyrule Castle to do a bunch of fights, and then you fight a Phantom Ganon. And that was such a weird thing. I'm like, what is this? What are we doing? Why is this here? <sighs> um, it, like, it felt so much like a, like, extended distraction that I was sure that it was the sort of thing where at the end, Ganondorf would say, ha ha, I distracted you long enough to do some evil thing over here. Yeah. But there was nothing, like, I really thought I was seeing that coming, but um, the game outsmarted me. It, <laughs> Ganondorf had no reason to do that. Yeah. I don't. There's so much in the the game like by and large follows the same quest structure as breath of the wild but then adds onto it in places where it's like you didn't need to add anything to this other than like for reasons other than like weird obligation to try and do more than what you did before i feel like there is an attempt at some like at trying to enforce some um uh, some element of story if only pacing or increasing the stakes um in having you go to hyrule and follow fake zelda around for a while and or sorry f f at the castle um do all of that stupid uh fighting and getting laughed at um i think i can see what they're trying to do uh just trying to make the to raise the stakes uh but it it, it doesn't work because you're planting like the problem with the open world thing is that you can't control the pacing or you have very limited control over the pacing and the player always feels like well i can do that now if i want or i can go do a number of other things if i want and um trying to impose a level of traditional story structure on top of that uh by you know, adding these traditional type story beats, uh, I, I can see what I assume to be the intention or the intended effect, but it doesn't have that effect. Yeah. There's also the memories. Yeah. And um, I think that, like, seeing the geoglyphs from the sky and trying to identify like okay i can see that from way over here on the land i know that now i know that what the geoglyphs are for i can see that i i know that i have to find a particular part of that geoglyph i need to see it from up high i need to figure out a way to get really high over it and then i need to like survey it from a bird's eye view and carefully figure out where the um uh tier is that's like that whole thing is so rad 
the gameplay loop of finding the tears. So I didn't even play it that way. Like, I never tried to get too up high above it. And when I did, I'd kind of like scan it for a little bit. But I found it was just much easier to get on the ground and run around and try and find where it must be. Interesting. Um, That sounds way less fun. I don't... I, I get what they were going for. I understand they're trying to be evocative and like play with the fact that we can get up to the sky and see these big things there. But this is just an inherently less interesting version of the photographs from the previous game. I... Uh, I retweeted an article from, I had to look up her name, Grace Benfell, uh, who basically said the same thing. And it's just like, in... I wouldn't say inherently. Okay, maybe not inherently, but like, it, I think it's, it's a less interesting version of what they did in Breath of the Wild. Where Breath of the Wild, you are showing up into a situation, you don't know what's going on really, you don't have much of a frame of reference, and you have photographs. And so you have to like, while you're adventuring, try and like, suss out where these places are. And that's just so much more, it establishes so much more of a connection with the world than just like, well, I got to, I see this big thing in the area and I got to kind of look around and see, okay, well, oh, okay, there's the pool. Now I'll look at the pool and get the, get the memory here. Well, okay. Yeah. If you play it your way, then it's not as fun. If you play it my way, it was really fun. Mm, okay. Um, but the story that you get from the memories, it turns out to be like, it's it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's a cool story about Zelda back in time and setting up for, you know, the, the whole time loop element of the plot. Um, but though, just the way it interacts with the actual story of the game of Link looking for Zelda um it's basically giving you the big reveal of what's actually going on with um Zelda being in the sky and uh, Ganondorf using a clone to cause problems it's just revealing that short circuiting that revelation while you're supposed to be figuring that out with all the stuff that Link is doing with uh missions and dungeons and newspaper quests and so you end up finding out the ending early and um i i've seen a lot of people say that um the memories should be should be delivered to you in a set order regardless of where you find them what my experience uh is that i went to you know you can go to the goddess statue the main goddess statue Sure. And there's a big, like, really cool, uh, like, model of Hyrule. I love where that the, part. Where they're all laid out. And on the walls there is the order they're supposed to be in. And so I found sure. that before I found any memory, so I just went and watched them in order because I saw what that was going to be the order. Okay. Uh, the other thing um, I was going to say is... Oh, good. <laughs> the game doesn't encourage you to do that. Um, it doesn't give you a strong indication that the order on the wall is an important order. And um, although Impa does tell you, like, go over to this, uh, the ancient uh, ruins or whatever, um, it's, like, it's very easy to just see the memories in whatever order you happen to notice them as you're walking around. Yeah. Um, But I want to say, I don't think that that's the solution. I don't think it's really a problem that 
the, the you can see them in any order. I think that's fine. I think that um, just like with Breath of the Wild, see, seeing the story out of order is seeing that story out of order is totally fine. Um, but the fact that you can get all these memories before you do all this other part of the story that needs to be first of wondering where Zelda is um, needs to come before the part of the story where you find out where Zelda is. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two things there. One, uh, you can always go back in your poor pad and see them in the proper order because they just end up on there in the proper order. So like that's not a problem. Um, the other thing is that specifically the game almost expects you to do this after the spirit temple because Minera will like, prompt you if you haven't yes. gotten the okay. master sword and she'll like yes. prompt you and be like oh you need to go do this quest oh wait you already did it because you've been playing that's the game right. for 80 hours and that's my that's what i say or that's what i think is the fix is gate the appearance of the memories maybe even the appearance of the geoglyphs to later in the game that would be because cool. it's telling a story that is neat that telling the part of the story that comes later uh, that needs to be later to have the right emotional impact um or maybe like half the geoglyphs before and half later on maybe you, yeah you do if something the, and more of them surface do you, i think that um the if you got cutscenes of the dragon raining uh, this tier down after you do something and this tier down after you do something else and those gradually appeared then you could control the order which again i don't think is a big deal um but you'd be able to and organically control the pacing of that telling the backstory i think that would be great yeah so and you there's no reason that all the tears have to appear at once i think that's fantastic I want it to be constantly over the course of the game. Like every 20 hours, you get a different geoglyph appearing. Yeah. Um, Should we move on to dungeons? Let's do segment five, dungeons. So broadly, I feel like the dungeons in this game are not as good as the dungeons in Breath of the Wild. Um, I don't think it bears comparison necessarily. I think that the approach to dungeons is so different that um you really have to talk about the approach to dungeons and talk about like the gestalt of the experience because if you just say the dungeons in this game are better than the dungeons in that game then you're missing the point i i would disagree uh entirely because they're they're still sharing the same structure it's still a dungeon where or are they we're presenting you with go to these four points to unlock the boss that you can see the entrance to at the beginning like you can compare the dungeons in this game to breath of the wild just as much as you can compare the dungeons in any of the previous 3d zeldas to each other which we've done right i disagree no okay because i think this game lies about where the boundaries of the dungeons are oh i guess in that sense i understand what you're saying where it's like you can kind of because they're just in the world you can bounce in and out of the dungeon bounds pretty recklessly not even that i think that the water temple doesn't begin when you get to the the, it says water temple on the screen i think that the dungeon experience 
which includes the water temple proper as well as the long ascent up to the water temple and arguably also includes the underground the cave uh situation where you activate the um way up into the water temple i think you have to take all of that as what would be seen as water temple or like the dungeon in uh, another zelda game it, i think that go ahead. The, the part of the reason that the dungeon proper the part that they say is the water temple is so simple and disappointing is because they put that boundary there and discourage you from interpreting all that cool stuff leading up to it as part of the same experience. I mean, I think if we're doing that, then we start to tear down some other boundaries where like Skyward Sword has dungeons that there's like a big preamble leading up to a lot of them that if you started counting that, that would change the tenor of that. Like, I I get what you're saying, but I think trying to like change the demarcations gets really weird really quick i'm willing to get into it like i i where do you make the demarcations then if you're saying like the entire preamble to getting into the water temple is the water temple then like why would we not extend that to how about how about the entire preamble for getting into the ocean uh temple in the, the the oceanside temple no, what's it called? The, the Great Bay Temple. I, I want to put it differently. Okay. If we talk, like, if you talk about um, Majora's Mask, sure, where the Great Bay Temple is like, sorry, I'm going to I'm gonna take the long way around and carefully think about what words I'm saying. <laughs> That's valid. And no, I'm not going to carefully edit this episode. Oh, you I'm could. I'm going to leave in all the noises of my wife walking back and forth across the house. I was just listening to a doors. podcast where they were talking about, like, it's okay to just stop for a second and think. You don't have to keep flapping mouth. It's fine. The difference, I think, is that in Majora's Mask, they want to have a hard line between adventure leading up to dungeon and dungeon and dungeon is a crystalline sphere of its own experience and with this game maybe it would be worth re-examining breath of the wild through this lens they're like you're in a world and there are parts of that world that are dungeons but they aren't neatly cut off and so thinking about it in terms of are these dungeons as good? Well, it like the, the they're not trying to make Zelda dungeons the way that we've learned to understand them over so many years. They're making this is the culmination aspect of this whole other adventure. And maybe the the right move wouldn't be to say let's move the like title screen for the dungeon down here instead of up here but what if they never had a title screen for a dungeon you just got up to what we now call the water temple and did all the tasks and then uh you fought the boss and then you were left to think that i guess i just finished a dungeon where did it start um and it would be i i know that alnuma in some interviews said that the whole point was to be seamless and uh he really wanted to have seamlessness in all aspects of the game i think that when they give you the dungeon map 
and they give you the um the title card that says now you're in the water temple they're introducing a scene that they didn't need to introduce and we can think about them like i i really want to give them credit at the end of the day for not thinking about dungeons the way that a bunch of other games have thought about dungeons and i don't think it's fair to compare them to other dungeons on like an apples to apples basis Okay, I. Here's what I'll say. On top of that, though, I don't like the dungeons. I'm sick and tired of this. Uh oh, activate all five things, and then you get to fight the boss. Deal. I, yeah. I think that's really boring. I think that these versions of that are inherently not inherently are less interesting. Um than the versions in breath of the wild particularly because you don't get to manipulate the dungeon you don't get to manipulate the area it's not just, getting to manipulate the dungeon is is a step down definitely which they maybe they ran they, they did as much as they could with that but i enjoyed that like i i am a big defender i like uh, varudanya a ton um is that the one i like which one's the no no boris that's the one i like i like vonda boris <laughs> The names are all backwards. And I have to think about it. Um, so, but like the versions present in this game, even like taking like Water Temple specifically, even taking like the lead up to it, I still don't think it's very good. <laughs> I did not care for the Water Temple in this game very much. I thought the Wind Temple was boring. I actively despise the Fire Temple in this game. Fire um, Temple is a cry and shame. It's because it has to be the static object if you screw up a puzzle it's a pain to reset it and i just spent most of my time staring at the map trying to figure out where i was supposed to connect a minecart and eventually i just rocket jumped my way to get around instead of having to deal with it which is you know okay its own benefit but like as a puzzle object i was just like this is tiring um Though shout no, out to the, the lightning, shout out to the lightning temple. Lightning temple is really good. I like that one a lot. The lightning temple is fun. Um, I I like how um, they <laughs> do Indiana Jones for the first half, um, and you just like evade death traps for a while, it and rules. then you get to do light mirror puzzles, and that's also awesome. And the uh, reframing of Gibdos in this game. Oh, is it's so cool. cool. Um, the bosses, I feel like all the bosses, hold on, except for Kolduga, who I have problems with, <gasps> really? I think the, the bosses are rad. I <laughs> like the look of Kolduga. I like the cinematic experience of flying around fighting this guy, but I do not like how linear, as far as I can tell, it's just shoot <laughs> weak point, shoot weak point, shoot weak point. You don't really have an opportunity to use any of your toys except for flying around. Yeah, I think he's cool, though. Oh, then you don't know what I just found out after playing the game. Did what? you know you can skydive, you can dive through the weak points and damage them? That's rad. <laughs> I found that out way later. I'm like, what? That's so cool. That's uh, excellent. But I yeah, still think it's one of the weaker bosses. Probably, but it, it is. It's easy. He's a cool guy. The spirit temple boss is boring. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I got nothing um, to say about it. But inkling boss is fun. 
Um, the, <laughs> we did just get we did just get uh, what, what's the what's the Goober Bloober? Yeah, yeah. It's just Goober um, Bloober. It's great. Or, they leaned fully into the Mario Sunshine. That yeah, that was excellent. Um, the the uh, Fire Temple boss is is pretty cool, and then the uh, Gibdo Queen is just rad. Although the problem with Gibdo Queen is that, as far as I can tell, eventually there's a phase where she just flies around, and if you run out of arrows, then you are stuck like trying to throw things and uh not having enough range you can't throw anything high enough um that was a bad scene at the very end but whatever yeah i like i i liked a lot of the boss i i feel like a bunch of the elements of the dungeons are very cool and i want to give them credit for thinking about dungeons in a certain way uh in a new way that I, I really feel like it's not fair to compare them. Like I, I already said that. Um, but there's a lot to be disappointed with in the dungeons as well. We also don't get a really exciting final dungeon because they can't, they couldn't really do another Hyrule castle. I don't think they could. You think they could have inverted castle? <gasps> okay. You got me there. Hmm. DLC. We'll talk about DLC later. It's fine. <laughs> now on my list, segment number six is the sky. It's funny how the sky was a misdirect. Uh, kind of, yeah. Like there's stuff up there and it's interesting to go up there. It's a really good way to get resources. Um, all the good resources are up there. But like, it's kind of not much. It's pretty empty. It's pretty repetitive. Um. It's not the star of the game like they maybe wanted you to believe. Um, but I refuse to judge the game based on its marketing. <laughs> I think um, it's fun that they like specifically leaned into that as like the thing when it really wasn't. Yeah. And that's that's interesting that they can kind of like, like, I was going to say pull the rug out from under you, but it's not even that. It's just like, it's a misdirect. Yeah. The um, the labyrinths are. It's cool how there's labyrinths in the sky and on the ground because we love the labyrinths and they got to make them. You know, they got to iterate on them in a cool way. Um, the are other parts of the sky. I don't. Maybe it's just. Oh no, it's other parts of the sky where there's low gravity. I think that becomes very fun. Um, but just as like another set of cool places in hyrule the sky is rad is another set of cool places that you can go yeah and the whole thing of um i i i really wonder how much the um the culture around breath of the wild influenced the development of tears of the kingdom because it feels like like being able to get up too high with like hacks with minecarts in Breath of the Wild or whatever, you know, um, people who are basically cheating in the to a way to fly across the world. It's hard not to wonder if the developers saw that and they were like, well, we could we could make a game where that's the point and you're supposed to be flying all over the place. Yeah, maybe. Um, and, you know, in the same way that Breath of the Wild was taking 
away all the railings that determine how you're supposed to play the game. I feel like with this one, they took away most of what was left with Breath of the Wild. And they say, you know, I'm sorry that we <laughs> forced you to do that or you weren't allowed to do that. Um, you know, have another one where there's even more freedom. and spe- The specific types of freedom that were lacking from Breath of the Wild that you were trying to work around. You don't have to work around them anymore. I, I knew when I put the sky on there as a bullet point that there wouldn't be that much to say about it. Should we jump ahead and talk about the other sphere that you get to inhabit in this game? uh, You want to violate the order that I set out? Maybe. Okay, Zach, it's time for segment number seven, the depths. They put an underdark in this game, Ryan. Yeah, it's like an entire (laughs) underdark. They put an entire underdark in this game. I did not expect this. It's pretty cool. I... I, I knew there were going to be caves, and I knew there were going to be—they they showed the shot of the fire temple in the distance, so I knew there was going to be at least one big, like, underground cave. So I know, like, in my mind—and then you get to the surface, and there's chasms, and I'm like, okay, I bet each one of those chasms leads to, like, a discrete underground area. Mm-hmm. Like, probably not that big, but just enough to say what I was looking for in a sequel to Breath of the Wild. Uh, no, they just made an entire second map. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. But it turns out to be less interesting than you kind of wonder at the very beginning. Uh-huh. <laughs> because... Brian, how long how long did it take you to figure out the trick? Um a it, took while. Me probably... <laughs> it also took me a while. <laughs> I figured out pretty fast that there were light roots underneath each um <laughs> shrine it took me so much longer to find that out okay um <laughs> and i read somewhere that the the name of the underground light route is the name of the above ground light route backwards i thought they were the same i thought I, I i picked up that they were like at least anagrams of each other i didn't look to see if they were the same front and back okay i really thought they were the same so i need to go check because i they probably are backwards uh, a lot of them look like backwards words, but I thought that was true on the surface. Um, I have a, we'll, we'll come back to shrines. <laughs> okay. Uh, then I eventually figured out that there were barriers in the Underdark wherever there was rivers or water in the overworld. And I'm like, okay, that separates it into... That's very clever, actually. Um, you know what that is? That's the... Uh, divisions of the of low rule in um link between worlds oh kind of yeah wherever there's a river in high rule there's just a pit in low rule that you can't get past i think they were looking at a link between worlds a lot more than you might expect um and it is it like it's kind of a dark world link between is worlds it? is a weird sorry it's, it's a we weird... can do a podcast about Link Between Worlds later. I don't have enough to say about it, but it is a weird it's inflection point. It's a 20-minute podcast. It's a weird inflection point in the series where they like got experimental, and a lot of those experiments bore fruit. That's all I'll say. Sorry. Go ahead. Then you figure out that the elevation is inverted. Uh-huh. And when there is a valley in the overworld, there's a mountain or a ridge in the dark world. And that made me think, huh, 
how many steps would that be in Blender to invert the mesh and then invert normals? Um, I'm not really good enough at any 3D editing software, but I'm like, maybe the basics of how they did this are actually incredibly simple. Of course, it turned like there's a bunch of stuff in the dark world that does or in the depths that doesn't have a um a direct correlation in the overworld but i i feel like the very first steps were literally like clicking invert this way clicking invert that way and now we have a whole new world to start messing with yeah and, and it's, like it's rad i respect that i think it's it's clever use of what you got to do something very evocative and the whole place is very cool to explore. Um, there are monsters that you weren't expecting. Monsters that no one ever talks about. Um, there are the, the frocks snuck up on me at some point. No one ever said, uh oh, there are huge frog monsters in the depths. Um, you know, the way that this game normally has. For any given feature of the game, there are six different NPCs who just want to talk to you about it, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So much stuff in the depths is not like that. They're just it's just there, and you find it. It's really cool. Um, and there are Giga bases, which are fun. <laughs> Every single Giga thing in this game is the funniest thing. It's so good. There's so much uh, good Giga content in this game. I was feasting. It was a feast, a Giga feast. Um, bananas it was b-a-n-a-n-a-s and that's good I, and like it keeps track of how many giga um schematics you've found and so there that means there's a finite number and there's a a big list of things that you can make with um remember hand or whatever it's called auto build yeah auto build um that's the third the third quest that we didn't talk about. You have like the main quest with the dungeons. Oh yeah. You have the memories quest. And then technically the third quest is you have to follow uh what's his face? Uh Master Koga. Master Koga around and fight him in a bunch of nuts and bolts boss battles. And mm -hmm. that tells you where Ganon is because they're assuming that after a hundred hours you didn't go just where he is because he's obviously where he is um i think that's a cool like side quest I, I, the, the the idea of that as um like a main quest for people who need it, it's optional right uh but well, oh, it's, it, optional, it's there yeah. for well sure but like it's not like I mean, it's not optional, is it? Can you shut up? Uh, never mind. But um, the game treats it the same way as it treats those other two major quest cycles, where if you yeah. get to the end of everything that you did, all the other stuff you did, the temples, you did the memories. The game says, "Well, now we got to figure out where Ganondorf is," and they direct you to do that quest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because that's the um, order I did it in. Because I'm a maniac. I forget. I feel like I did. I must have done that between doing some of the dungeon. I don't care. Um, it's cool. Um, none of the battles are very hard. It's more about navigating the depths and finding Koga. 
yeah. uh, at each juncture. You end up with, and the reason I wanted to talk about the depths is because you end up having these three spheres of play, and they're kind of not all created even or equal. No. Where it's still really all about the surface. You just have, like, things in the sky and things in the right. depths you can do, and things in the sky will point you towards the depths, and things in the depths make construction easier. That's what that's yeah. about. That's where you get the stuff to build. That's where you get the zonite. And, like, none of that's yep. really, you know, it's a weird interplay that I don't know how I feel about because I engaged with it, like, in the wrong order, where it seems like it's something you should probably be bouncing between yes. all three. And yes. I didn't play it that way, so my experience was much more frustrating, where I was like, I spent two days going light route by light route, lighting up the depths, because I'm like, that's a map, I have to complete that map. And I did. Yeah, you are, uh, there's a pathology here that yeah. interferes with your ability to play game correctly. Basically. So, oh, one more thing I did want to say about the depths. Because I said that it turns out to be less than you were expecting. I really thought that there would be... I guess I wanted there to be towns in the depths. Or a town. You know what I mean? I understand that. Uh, I didn't expect that in the way that I expected there to be a town in the air. I mm. expected a town in the sky. But yep. I, probably because I had more time to think about there being things in the sky. Whereas the depths was just thrust upon me like, hey, here's the thing you have now. And I'm like, what? Um, but the, like, it, it turns out that the sky and the depths are additions to not like new fields of play exactly, but new dimensions that add to what's really going on, which is the main Hyrule world. That's what the game actually is. is yeah. The, the game is Hyrule still world. running around the surface and doing yeah. all those things. That That is still the game. Uh, and it's good. Yeah. I, I agree <laughs> that there's a lot to be like no, critical or disappointed about, but like, I, I really feel like a lot of the negativity around this game is missing the point. No, I know. And like I said, I explained that my experience with the game was a little rocky because of the way I played it. I can say very definitively, I'm looking forward to setting this game down for a year or two and then picking it back up when all the DLC is out and then just spending a very long time doing each cave one by one. <laughs> okay. Because I Still, love caves. It's not, not a healthy way to do it. No, um, but slowly over the course of like a year. If I did like a cave, Brian, I got an idea for a podcast. Oh, no. Daily podcast, one for each cave in the video game. Cave and, uh, well. It'd be great. <laughs> I've got some stuff to say about the people of Hyrule. Section, oh. segment oh, okay, cool. eight, the people of Hyrule. Tell me about them people, because I want to hear about it. Um, the main thing I noticed is that all the NPCs are much more capable they make a big point of showing that people can actually do stuff for themselves. Um, there's a lot of, like, half of the tower activation quests involve 
NPCs fixing the Sheikah technology themselves. And I think that there was a conscious move from they realized that in Breath of the Wild, they treat all the NPCs like morons who have no idea of anything going on in the world and, you know, are just like walking like stupid ducks through life. And it's a wonder they don't all die like stupid ducks. But um, in Tears of the Kingdom, they're capable and they're like, they're doing it for themselves. They're making a lot of cool stuff and making progress. And a lot of the stuff that um, apparently Link has the superpowers to accomplish, other people can accomplish it just fine. You know what I mean? I really enjoyed, it's a very small thing, and there's not very many of them, but I really enjoyed the quests where you just had, like, a crew that was ready to roll into an enemy oh, yeah. base and wreck shop, and yeah. that's fun. Like, it's it's a small thing. It's, it's, like, there's only a handful of them. They're not very hard, but it's just very flavorful in a way that I was, like, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, those are very cool. That reminds me of another point that's not really about people, um, but... You know when you uh, ousted the pirates from Lurlin City? Yeah. Um, Breath of the Wild, in a certain way, or like, it's you can, someone's going to correct me on this, but like, Breath of the Wild couldn't do a quest where your goal is get rid of all those monsters because the Blood Moon would say, well, the monsters come back no matter what you do. And um, that kind of hamstrung the quest design in Breath of the Wild because <laughs> you couldn't do a proper kill all the monsters quest. But in Tears of the Kingdom, there are a bunch of monster situations where they just decide that the Blood Moon doesn't affect those monsters and you just can kill all those monsters and you just can save those people. And it's rad. Yeah, it's good. Um, and then you get to build houses with wonky design uh <laughs> oh can i can i just mention yeah. i love addison i love him so much which one's addison he's the sign man i think that's his oh name. okay he's so good it's he's the best fine. bit it's the best bit it's so funny the man just doesn't know how signs work i i did i i had fun figuring out his deal like because the first time i saw him i didn't understand that there was a puzzle he was just holding up a sign and I said, well, let go of the sign. And he let it go and ah, it it's falling down. And I'm like, well, you're a weirdo. I have other <laughs> stuff to do. <laughs> and then I enjoyed solving maybe eight, maybe five of those puzzles. And then whenever I saw him, I was like, I don't I deal with it yourself, Addison. I never I found care. like a rapper for that to like say how many are in the world or anything. Because like other stuff the game's pretty good about like giving you like a you can talk to this person to find out where you're at on that like the well lady um i never found anything for this guy uh but i did a lot i did a lot there of are ones. there are a ton he's all over the place he's he's very busy he's just not very good at his job it's good i like him he's fun i agree that he's fun but i i just like um, most Korok quests, especially a Korok who says I need to find my friend. Like, <laughs> Good luck with that. I have yeah. fun stuff to do. I did two of those and said, oh, God, I'm not doing any more of these. Yeah. 
Oh, actually, but this is a, a side that I just haven't had a chance to ask you yet. Where did you first find Hestu? Oh, um, he was up on a hill in like the uh, Tabantha-ish region, um, pretty close to one of the towers, I think. Um, and he was he was afraid of some um, ever means. He said, "Oh, those trees are bad," and I said, "Okay, I'll kill the trees." Where did you first find Hestu? So, did after that, did he go to Lookout Landing? Uh, he said he was going east. Yeah, I, then I saw him at Lookout Landing. So he never showed up in Lookout Landing for me because the first time I found him is when I went to the Korok Forest. So he, he was, was just, just there. Per- he's just in the Korok Forest now. Wow. So in, in okay. my game, he's there, and everybody else is like, "No, he's in Lookout Landing." I'm like, "Nah, man, he's <laughs> he's over in Korok Forest." I guess when you save Korok Forest, he just goes there no matter where he was. Otherwise, there are a lot of NPC interactions in this game that if you complete a quest objective or like not even an objective like an npc will move to a different place in the world and they'll remember and it's not like organic or anything it's just like a lot of like a lot of moving characters that aren't necessarily like that don't mean anything other than for like callback it's weird yeah it's cool. Um, I, I I think that is an improvement because there were like most people in Breath of the Wild were really forgettable, um, and just because there were so many of them. But having a few people who stick around and uh, do similar things in different places, it's, it's nice. It becomes confusing when like I bet that some of those guys who fix towers, if you walked from one broken tower to another broken tower without doing finishing the quest you'd see the same guy hanging out at both towers or something like that um i assume stuff like that yeah it's it's cool um what uh, uh the we're at some point in this very long discussion we're going to have to get into a uh discussion of continuity with breath of the wild yeah. And the fact that or the idea of there's there's two separate questions. You know what? Segment nine. Character is remembering you or not. <laughs> hey Ryan, I have what? a question. How okay. much time has passed since Breath of the Wild? Nope, that's segment ten. Oh uh, segment ten? Okay. Strike that from the record. Segment nine, character is remembering you or not, or like whether anyone gives a care about Link. Um, I actually kind of, I think I initially complained to you about this or like obliquely complained about this, but I've kind of turned around and I, I think I like most of the approach the game does to who remembers Link and what they remember him as, because I like the idea that he is this hero guy, but people aren't going to remember the hero guy because he kind of just came to town, did something and left. Right. It wasn't like everyone got together and said, oh, Link, you're the only one who can save us. Go save us. Um, most people had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Or like, didn't even know that there was something to worry about in Breath of the Wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, they got Alana Ganon has been there for a long time. So nothing's changing. Um. And there are characters who do remember, and I think the ones that do work for me. I ran into Tracy, okay. right? 
and sure. she knew you. And I'm like, yeah, she would. She was involved in a quest in the DLC, and also it's her job to know stuff. So for her to be like, well, yeah, I'm the newspaper person. I I have the information. I keep up with this stuff. I know that you're Link. Hey, what are you doing? How they, how are things going? Sure. And um, like that felt good. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I guess I thought that you were gonna have more to say about this because you did seem no. kind of negative about it earlier. I was I was negative about it negative about it first, and it was weird to me until I kind of like thought about it more, and I'm like, yeah, well, it makes sense that people just don't their lives don't center around Link. Yeah. And that's cool. On the other hand, segment 10 is uh, about a different sort of continuity, um, which is uh, we can start out by asking how much time has passed since Breath of the Wild. How much time do you think has passed since Breath of the Wild, Ryan? Okay. I have have views on this, but I want to hear yours first. I haven't. Madison was not born in Breath of the Wild, right? Yep. They just got married. So... Enough time has passed for Madison to be born and grow up to be like six or something. Yeah. I think Um, like five or six years has passed because of this reason. And Riju seemed to be like, I don't know, 10 to 12 in Breath of the Wild. She was a kid, but she wasn't like Madison age. And now she seems to be a teen but not a like a full adult yeah there is the question of whether um gerudo people age at the same rate as normal humans but i think we have to assume that they do because no one makes a big deal of out of it like they do with the zora there aren't yeah that they don't remember them like the zora or like even the rito elder who did like vaguely remember link oh yeah in Breath of the Wild. He was like, I think I remember a oh, guy. Oh, that's a good point. The... He, but he was like really old, but he was like, I think I remember you. So, yeah, even the oldest Gerudo don't know, or they might not. You can make the case that they They're not necessarily as old Link as the other. Uh, yeah. years ago. But um, it those was just were a, the, two, a... the two main points that I was thinking of when I was considering this question. But I feel like there's something else. I was just really thrown when playing the game and looking for any, like, data. Because, like, from the jump, I'm like, this could be anywhere from a month to ten years after Breath of the Wild, for all I know. Because in that time, like, a lot of things have changed. Uh, Pura has managed to de-age herself again. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, a lot of new construction. They built an entire, like, base around the champion's statue, which is really cool. I do like that as a little base. I like having that. Um, um they got that, a lot done but that that could be like a very productive month post calamity yeah or or it could be 10 years of slow buildup. it stuck out to me that no repairs of any sort were attempted on hyrule castle not at all but maybe that place was just still spooky is what my thought was for how long though like uh-huh. if we're led to understand that i mean don't we have to assume that um after you uh kill calamity ganon there are no more monsters in there i guess or have oh. monsters been hanging around in there this whole time if so they should have said something that there would be probably... cool to find out that it remained a monster hideout for the whole intervening period that would i think be cool. yeah i 
we'll, we'll probably get into it here in a second, but I think largely I did have a lot of frustrations with how little interest Tears yeah. of the Kingdom had yep. with commenting on anything that happened yep. in Breath of the Wild. Yep. And that led to a lot of my frustrations with the story stuff. Zach, I used to use sci-fi.stackexchange.com. Okay. And there was um, a question posted by someone that said, uh, can I watch... Um, uh, it was when um, it was before The Force Awakens came out or it was right around that time and someone said can I watch The Force Awakens without watching the other Star Wars movies okay sure and someone you know because it's a the point of stack exchanges that people give answers and then people vote on them one of the main answers by a very smart well established user um was no you have to like star wars is a big thing there's a lot of story to know you can't jump into episode seven and expect to know what's going on which in some you know if we weren't talking about star wars you could say that that makes sense if you're talking about like discworld or um, something a little more niche than Star Wars. Um, you're, the creators can assume a certain level. They they have the luxury of saying, well, people are going to read the other six books first. Uh, they're not going to jump right into this. But the problem with Star Wars is it's a gigantic franchise that needs to make a lot of money. And it is not financially feasible for them to make any movie or any piece of content that cannot be someone's introduction to the series. Everything they have has to be able to get new customers. And so, especially with <laughs> the first Star Wars movie in however many years, that's going to be the first Star Wars movie for a generation of kids. It has to be accessible to people who don't know what Star Wars is. Um, you cannot have complicated continuity with something that needs to have millions and millions of people in its audience. That's what's going on with Tears of the Kingdom. You can't make a sequel to Breath of the Wild the way that our primitive human brains understand the word sequel. Because then you would be excluding people. I understand that to an extent. But... It, this goes beyond just story stuff, but Tears of the Kingdom, it, it, and, and you know, you're right. It was designed from a perspective of we sold 10 bajillion copies of the previous game. We expect to sell even more this game. So we want to make sure we're not like necessarily demanding that somebody go back and play the other game first. Yeah. But so much of this game expects you to know stuff from breath of the wild like not just narratively like i think a lot about how the shrines in this game are all just kind of, in, in tears of the kingdom are all just kind of like less convenient locations than the ones in the previous game and like i guess that's the only thing i have but it's just like <laughs> i'm trying to think it's just so much of this game is a direct continuation of that 
that like you don't have to and you don't have to excise the plot of the first game to like act to, to give this blank slate to these new players um like you, you're you kind can of insulting. disagree but that's why they did it I think that's bad. I think that's okay. bad. I think that's actively bad. And they court a lot of this. And I know we're probably going to disagree on this, but like they, Nintendo, when they do a new Zelda, they are courting the sure. plot stuff in every action that, in every like decision yep. they make with the story they tell. They are courting this interconnectedness at all times. Mm-hmm. And this interconnectedness they have no interest in actually pursuing. Because. And they that is the the cheap way or the easy way to appeal to those invested fans who think that the storyline matters yeah and it sucks <laughs> I, I i guess i should lay it on the table i we were talking i was talking we were we were talking with or you were, were in a chat with a third friend of ours and we were talking about people that did not like the plot of this we game. can mention richard by name because he's Hi, richard, the guy who I did hope- the cover art for <gasps> he did the complete guide to koholin that picture Hi, of us being cartographers uh he we were talking about people that did not like the plot of this game i did not like the plot of this game i thought it was particularly bad and i thought it was told poorly for the reasons we kind of already talked about um i just it <laughs> like and i understand a lot of this is me setting up the football for myself and uh-huh me also pulling the football out from under from yep. from in front of myself no but nintendo, it's nintendo it, who pulls out the football just as culpable. Or, like nintendo is the one who's telling you that there's a football in the first place yeah we sat here for an hour two weeks ago when they mentioned the name raru and i had a conniption you had a and conniption. there there's nothing there there's i was too nothing smart. there nothing there hmm. just oh um, i just the, the story anyways we're not even there yet but the story as presented is just not it's even discounting the fact that there's nothing connecting anything the story itself is just not very good in Um, this game if we can talk a little more about there not being anything to connect i think that it sucked that they act like the divine beasts never existed that was interesting to me i i have a question further on in the in, in this in this part of the document says grab bag that i'll just bring now uh, where did all the Sheik Attack go? What happened to it? It I know putting some the Sheik Attack got... in the game. Oh, sorry, you want an in-universe answer? Uh, yes. Uh, you'd have to ask someone who thinks that there is a in-universe answer. <laughs> it's it's all so conspicuously gone. Did you go to the Shrine of Resurrection? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's gutted. None of that stuff's there. Who took that out? Why is it gone? There's questions there. I really hope, and I, I kept hoping I was going to run into, like, a cave where there was, like, a single guardian. It's, like, that's where we stashed the guardians. Mm. Um, but they're just gone. I I bet this is something we'll see come back in DLC. I bet we'll see a guardian DLC. Oh, interesting. But, um, but this is just another spot where the game refuses to engage with the previous game. Yeah. The, the events in Breath of the Wild do not matter to right. Tears of the Kingdom. We're not there yet. <laughs> I keep wanting to jump ahead, but we'll get there. Um, no, and I think that's because. Well, okay. There's a there, the business side. I've already explained that any continuity or any like specific continuity is a barrier to entry. 
Yeah. The other, the other side of it is, I don't think that even, I don't think that like the suits are telling the creatives, no, no. don't do this thing. Because I think the creatives don't care about the continuity either. They yeah. wanted to, they had ideas for gameplay that they wanted to explore. So come up with gameplay, do, do all this stuff. They had ideas for um, like what's more stuff that we can put in the world. Like I, I can really see this game in its original conception as uh, DLC for Breath of the Wild because it really feels like they're they felt like they were missing out on stuff in Breath of the Wild and they just wanted yeah. to add stuff to the map. Um, it's weird. This game has a lineage in that respect of like games we can even point out specifically nintendo games where it's we still had ideas so we want to do enough more with this like that's mario galaxy 2 that's Mm. you know mario brothers 2 japan um i had a third example i can't think of it now but like that's nintendo's done this before island Uh, um (laughs) like it has a lineage in that sense of just like we just we had more we wanted to do with this and like but this is you know, and so in the end, what we ended up with was this like hyper maximalist, like sequel to Breath of the Wild, where we're gonna put every idea we got in this thing, um, and it's fun, but and story wise, like, philosoph- just philosophically as a a game that exists, it's just bizarre in some sense. Where I'm just like, yeah, they really did just put everything in this game, yeah. And, and like the, the and, like, and they spend a lot of time and a lot of money doing it to do it well, and that's good. But I'm just like, is that what we wanted? Is that what we needed to do? I guess in this sense it is. But like, man, the people who get the most value out of this game are going to be the people who engage with those parts of the game that the designers were really excited about of putting yeah. all that stuff in there and yeah. making these really cool toys. The toys are great. Um, the toys are nice. But um, the people who care about uh, the story of this game, much less its relationship to the story of any other game in the series, are asking for the wrong thing, and they won't get it. I still don't think it's unreasonable to expect a good story in a video game that is trying to tell a story. Um, And I think that if we excise all the other stuff i'm complaining about and just take the story at face value i don't think this is a very good story i think that it has the pieces of a good story that are presented or can't be presented in the wrong order i think even if you presented it in like the intended order i don't think the story here is good yeah and i don't think and i think and then if we do compare it to stories they've already done in the series that are trying to do similar things, it's way lesser than that. We talked very briefly about how this is probably this team's or this this version of Hyrule's version of the Ocarina of Time story. And I'm like, I look at that and say, this is so much this is nothing close to the Ocarina of Time story in quality. Uh, Ocarina of Time has like and, and Ocarina of Time isn't a very I, I started to look at stories in Zelda that we like, that we've like talked about on podcasts okay. even. On podcasts and, even. And like look at the qualities of them and why they work. And, you know, Majora's Mask is a story. I'm, like, I'm, I'm pulling out my notes right now. Majora's okay. Mask is a story that works because... Segment 11, the story. <laughs> Majora's Mask story works, and we've talked about it extensively, because... 
it uses the mechanics of the game to create a sense of impending dread. Link's Awakening is a story that works because they looked at how they paced a story in Link's in Link to the Past and said, what if we tell what Link to the Past, you do a dungeon, you get a lore dump. You do a dungeon, you get a lore dump. Um, Link's Awakening looked at that and said, what if we do something we were have a story we're trying to tell, but we only tell it a piece at a time. And then we pace it out deliberately over the six hours you're playing the game and give you little interludes. It's it's all about the pacing in Link's Awakening that makes that a compelling story. And then Breath of the Wild is a game where it ha- you know, functionally, it has the exact same story mode as Tears of the Kingdom, right? It's you collect these memories in a not necessarily in order fashion to get a whole piece of a puzzle to find out the secret backstory of what you're doing. And in Tears of the Kingdom, or sorry, in Breath of the Wild, it works because what you're doing the, the story you're getting isn't even really material to what is happening in the game. Like, you could just go past that and not touch any of that and go beat Ganon and still get the same ending you would normally get. But what it's telling is this very complete personal story between Zelda and her dad and the king that is compelling because they're just trying to tell this small story that ties into what's been going on but isn't really material to that. And it's the sparseness that is reflected in the gameplay of Breath of the Wild, where Breath of the Wild is a very sparse game in a lot of ways. There's a lot in there, but as far as, like, you know, we talked about it, it's very hands-off. And so we hit, we get to Tears of the Kingdom, which tries to do the same thing, but also is trying to compel you to do quests in certain orders, but only kinda, and it's giving you half-steps. And then the actual, like, secret backstory ends up being, like, part and parcel of what's going on. It's just, it's not it. This game doesn't have it. Um. Yeah, it's not good. I want to disagree with you on something that I feel okay, very smart for pointing out. Okay, good, 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 good. The story of Breath of the Wild is not the story of Zelda and her dad. No. And this, like, when you talk about whether the game has a good story, I don't think that what you should be judging is the movies that you watch while you play the game. The story of Bre- of Breath of the Wild is. Link running around solving problems. Okay. The the story of Tears of the Kingdom, uh, I guess, I, I feel like I misrepresented Breath of the Wild just now because I don't remember all the specifics, but the story of Tears of the Kingdom is not Zelda goes back in time and eats a thing. Um, it The story is Zelda disappears and Link looks for her and is misdirected but then he finds out where she is and um that's the story and i think that story could be good in a slightly different version of this game but the the fact that because like we got to treat the story as what you do in the game right i think so but i think that tears of the kingdom then tries to connect it more directly because the whole reveal is that zelda's been the dragon all along mm-hmm. and like that's cool but like that's all it's got and they don't even and but we wouldn't and, be saying this if it were revealed to us in a more satisfying way i wouldn't be saying this if they didn't turn her back into a human at the end of the video game <laughs> that's my <laughs> maybe that's my other big thing i haven't talked about yet oh. they are cowards for turning her back into a human she should have oh. stayed a dragon <laughs> i'm dead serious i'm dead serious like 
like there's no stakes involved in the story they try and present this like as this big dramatic sacrifice but no she just chilled as a dragon for millennia and didn't remember any of it and then she's just good again it's fine like there's no stakes it's just a random thing that Minoru says like oh you know you could eat one of these things and become a dragon and it's like yeah. it's nothing I mean, you're right that that's dumb but that's what every media does I know, and it sucks. She should have stayed a dragon. It would have been okay. so much... Can you imagine the end? It's just like, you're just kind of sad. Like, Link's just by himself now. Or, like, he has his, you know, his... his all his wives and husbands that he has rings for now. Um, but, like, if, like, in the end of the game, it's just, like, you looking off in the distance, it's like, well, Zelda's just a dragon now. We have to live like that. And then she could be a dragon in the next couple games, and then they could, like, eventually bring her back, and it could be compelling later on. sequels to this game. <sighs> Anyways. I want them to do some other stuff. Um, it's so strange because i feel like we disagree about this story but we have the same opinion (laughs) so true (laughs) okay i think i'm spent on that for the moment we'll we'll come back i'm sure there's more to talk about but we'll come in we'll get into it um point number or segment number 12 mineru you want to talk about mineru i want to i want to ask um this game really thinks I should think Mineru is cool. It is like focusing on this character in a big way. I don't give a care about Mineru. Um, she seems to be like one too many things for me to care about. And she's not that cool. And um, her robot doesn't look cool. <laughs> it's a really clunky looking robot that um i didn't get much use out of i feel like it's another thing where if i uh or if i or anyone um really like gets deep into the um the mechanics of your mech that you get to have in this game then you'll be able to do cool stuff with it but uh i'm not crazy about minero i had a weird experience where like i was doing the spirit temple and i got her cool robot body and the game prompts you to get in and like fight a bunch of combat and i kept dying like immediately because you have like a way bigger hitbox when you're in the robot and then i realized you're really slow you're really slow it's really hard to control your weapons break as a robot like you attach things to her fists and Mm -hmm. they just break so like i was never incentivized to put much on there and just kind of let her fend for herself um yeah it's a weird addition I, I, I think like... there's a lot of potential there. I think that we're not seeing how cool that robot is, but as Probably. a character, just nonsense. Um, I can can I? Yeah. Well, is this a place to talk about Zonai stuff? Um. Okay, we have to interlace segment twelve Mineru with segment thirteen Zonai stuff. So segment thirteen Zonai stuff. I think the Zonai stuff in this game. <clears throat> excuse me. I think the Zonite stuff in this game is, like, it's weird. Like, they set up the Zonite as, like, oh, we're finally going to reveal the secrets of them. And it's just two people? And they're, like, it's two people that just came down from somewhere and, like, helped found the kingdom of Hyrule, where they were just kind of, like, had Hylians as subjects? It's just, it feels so weird. And... The Zonai stuff we see up in the sky is specifically called out as being not as old as the stuff in 
the Zonai ruins in Faron. Which I'm like, so what are we doing here? We just they did they they pulled a Skyward Sword on me again, where they're like, we're going to explain the secret ancient stuff, and the answer is no. Of course they're not going to. There always has to be something more secret or more ancient. And it feels weird. And I don't like the aesthetic of the Zonai stuff. Racist. This is a purely an art choice. But the aesthetic of like the Zonai shrines uh, is not as good as the aesthetic of the Sheikah shrines. The Sheikah shrines are still like very cool looking to me. And the 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 one thing in the Zonai shrines is the first time I ran into a crystal switch, I couldn't de determine that that was a crystal switch. Yeah, those are weird. It looks too much like a just a lamp or something. Yeah, that took me a while. And like sometimes there'll be a puzzle element and they're hard to notice even if you know what they are. Yeah, I, the Zonai stuff was just way weaker than I was expecting. And that was kind of a bummer. Like it's uh, fine. Yeah. But, like, it's, you know, it's still fine, but it's just, like, that's, okay. That a, was... Getting back to segment 12, Mineru, there's um, a very weird bit of uh, plot complicatedness where Mineru is in the Pura pad, right? I guess, yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, but she only starts talking to you. How does the quest to... Um, assemble her robot begin that's another one where there's a complicated uh preamble to it where you become aware of a fifth sage or something or the no the game directs you to once you find out oh right that zelda that was the fake zelda was the phantom ganon the game directs you to go to kakariko if you haven't gone there mm -hmm. which i hadn't really and do like find the 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 floating ring that I guess you maybe weren't allowed in to begin you, with. You they would not let you get anywhere near that floating ring earlier on. Uh, and then you get in there. Fake Zelda had said no one go into this floating ring, and everyone yeah said, okay fake Zelda. But then you go in there and find out about the fifth uh the the, the fifth sage, and that directs you to the Zonai ruins in Faron, which directs you to the Thunder Cloud Island, which directs you to the Spirit Temple. Uh, now here's something cool. Go ahead. Um, okay, during the newspaper quest, you find that woman who sings, right? And she says something about going into the storm. And I thought she was. this was supposed to be a clue to all the players that even though there's a big storm over the Faron region, um, you can go in there. And I was like, okay, then I'll, I'll follow this clue and I'll go in there. And I... Um, I managed to get up in there even while it was storming. Yeah. And visibility is very poor, but I did manage to get to the shrine that's at the end of that, you know? And actually, I had a um, a warp pad set up at um, the exit, like the ramp that you're supposed to take off from on your way away from Dragonhead Island or whatever it's called. And so... Um, I feel like the whole Dragon Island place was supposed to be a sort of dungeon in itself, like navigate these islands and reach the dragon's head. But I had found my way to the <laughs> the ending early on. I felt really cool. I and I feel... Can, oh, go ahead. You think you can even what? I think you can even go to the Spirit Temple in the depths and just skip all that. Um, can can I you not get the, the mask thing at the island? 
Oh, you have to go guy? up there and get the mask first. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. But that's like, right. That's right. That's right. I feel like I was really close to that. And if I had, um, if I had bothered to like cut through some branches that are there that I just didn't <laughs> see my first time there, uh-huh. um, I feel like I might have been able to get up to the mask and then it would be a question of whether the mask would like acknowledge that I was far enough in the game or would it just, um, you know, would, would it let me continue that quest or would it not? Um, I think you can, I think you can skip the preamble in Kakariko. I think that's true. I, okay. I, I've heard anecdotally people did something like that. All right. Um, that's cool. It's also so just, cool that I got to the like factory where they were building the thing and I had no idea what was going on and I yeah. didn't know that I was in what would turn out to be a dungeon later on. Yeah. Rad. That's that's the dungeon I struggled with more most because there's very mechanical puzzles there that I did not comprehend. Mm. So half of them I had to build really like shaky scaffolding to get around and it was very annoying. Uh, we don't have time to get into the specifics, but nope. yeah, that's a, that's a cool. This dungeon. is a two hour podcast, which is long for us. Um, anyway, um, Mineru, Mineru, she exists. She's there. I think the fifth, I think she should have stayed a ghost and the fifth sage should have been Pura. I'm okay Doesn't that Mineru's per- mask look like Pura's goggles? Oh, kind of. I didn't think I, about that. I thought right. they were setting this up. That she would be the sage and that she would run around with you and have Mineru powers, which are Pura, to find. That that would make it jive with the fact that Peru is like the main NPC in this video game. Yeah. Um, I also, it, it reminded me that I was watching somebody play the opening hours of the game yesterday. And uh, you get Raru's ghost showing up a lot on the Great Sky Island and then never again. And I'm like, that seems like a missed opportunity. Um. Well, they they definitely decided that at the end of the island, Rauru's ghost like disappears, and he's not he's not gonna be in the game anymore. Yeah, they decided I, that he would do that. Um, I don't I don't know what he would have added to being around for the rest of the thing. I mean, it's just like King Rome's ghost. Yeah, breath. Right, right. Let's call it breath from now on breath that's that's the shorthand name breath tears but he's just hanging out in the arm just chilling i guess i don't know um no (laughs) i I think that makes sense for him to not be around because uh then he gets to show up dramatically at the end can i i I, this is something i forgot to talk about in the storytelling part can i just bring up one thing that you were complaining to me about that i was laughing about Mm. remember the eight minute cutscene that happens every time you beat a dungeon oh yeah (laughs) that's dumb it's so bad. Oh, and it's like possible not. that they are making this game for babies. I get. I, I hope you would respect babies a little more than that. But it's, I timed it after like the third one. I'm like, how long is this cutscene? Because I've seen this twice already, and it's eight minutes long. Um, terrible. All right, that's it. Yeah, it's it. That's bad. Um, especially since it's the same thing every time. They don't uh-huh. even have the the. I don't know what quality it takes. Is it creativity or bravery to say, what if we put in some slightly different details in each version of this retelling? Well, and it, it mirrors the, like when you find the champions in breath of the wild in breath, uh, 
But in there, you're interacting with characters that you've been hearing about and you get to have a conversation with them to send them off to the afterlife or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, it's these like completely nondescript ancient sages who don't with have no names. names. <laughs> Name the sages. They will. Change.org. Give those sages names, cowards. I bet we'll see that in DLC. Eh. Okay. Oh, the other thing is, I don't see why it's a plot or even a detail that Minero's spirit is in the Pura pad because it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it doesn't really matter, but whatever. Okay. Okay. Um, segment 14, Ganondorf. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. Do you think Ganondorf and Calamity Ganon know each other? <laughs> you know, um, they do address that briefly in one place that I found. One line of dialogue that I spent 60 hours waiting for. Yep. Where Impa, after you do her entire quest line and then wait for her to show back up in Kakariko, which happens. Oh, we had the exact same experience. It happens like... Impus, after you do all the geoglyphs, Impa says, okay, I'm going to go to Kakariko Village and figure out how to turn Zelda into a human again. Uh, then she just is not on the map while you do the rest of the game. And then she does appear in uh, Kakariko Village just to say not anything about Zelda, but uh, to talk about you know the backstory of the backstory of the backstory from Breath. And say, like, give give the hardcore plot fans their little taste. And waft, say... A waft of lore. Um, Calamity Ganon is some, like, avatar it, of It's like an expression Ganondorf. of Ganondorf, yeah. Um, it's just, just to comment on it, uh, there's a lot of quests that don't activate until after you've done a dungeon and it doesn't uh-huh. explain that very well there's a no. lot that doesn't happen until you beat one dungeon that's another area where the game's like quest structure is just odd yeah uh yeah uh they do explain it very lackadaisically that oh yeah, yeah they're kind of the same thing it's fine <laughs> but other than that it could be anybody else and i'm just yeah. like well oh, come on come on they man. don't want to have continuity killing me here i bet that that line of impas got redlined by some editor and it like either no one bothered to uh fix it or the writer said come on can we just have one it's one dialogue box <laughs> nobody will even said, see it fine yeah yeah <laughs> i'll hide it that's what's going on um that sounds like i'm making a joke i'm not joking they are. They actively don't want there to be continuity. The reason that you're not finding that continuity is because they decided not to put it there. Yeah. Anyway, um, um, I like Ganondorf part, somewhat. I like him better than Calamity Ganon. The problem with Calamity Ganon was always that it's just this, you know, it doesn't have any intention and that was part of like the story they were trying to tell with that game. Uh, the particular Miyazaki movie that they were trying to make with Breath of the Wild, which is a different Miyazaki movie than they're making with Tears. Um, yes. And so like Ganondorf as a guy with intention is much more compelling. He kind of sucks, though, because 
he causes the upheaval. He causes there to be lots of problems around. He is executing some kind of plan with Zelda where he's... He doesn't know where Zelda is, does he? Uh, but he has his puppet Zelda going around, causing problems for Hyrule. And I guess there's some idea that he's um, kind of, yeah, yeah, puppet-like, puppet master style, um, manipulating events in Hyrule to bring it to its knees so that he can take over. And then after you solve the mystery by beating all four dungeons, he invites you up to Hyrule Castle, I guess so he can like bring you like draw you into a trap and i think his plan is to kill yeah that's why he does it he wants to kill link um i'm i'm going to start giving the story a little more credit cuz he wasn't trying to distract link he was just trying to kill link um but link's friends showed up at hyrule castle and were able to defeat the phantom gans um and uh then uh, some uh, Riju points out that, like, if he didn't, he must be too weak or something. Like, we, the fact that he didn't destroy us now means that we have a chance to get him. Um, and so then you have to do this other stuff, get a fifth sage. And then, do you have anything else to say uh, about I mean, not, all this? Like, all I, this I guess just... I'm running through all the points and trying to find out. Because... I felt like, let, let, before we get to that point, let's go through all the points, because some of the points are really cool. You figure out, I guess this is the part of the story where you're supposed to, um, the intended path, I now realize, is do all the dungeons, then, um, I guess before you... Before you do uh, the Spirit Temple and get Mineru, you're supposed to do the depths or like follow Koga around. No, that can't be right. Oh. The the way it looked like to me, just based on when quests popped up and like the quests that would auto complete, like oh you already did that, is that it's do all the dungeons, do all including the, dungeons. the fifth dungeon, including the fifth dungeon. Mineru prompts you to say, hey, you got to get the Master Sword. You need to do the memories to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which you don't. You can skip that too. Um, and then after that, you get the fifth sage. The game says, now you're ready to take on Ganondorf. Where could he be? You should do help uh, Joshua and she'll, her quest will lead to that. Okay. Like in, in vague terms. And then you do that. Then you have that information. That's the end of the main quest. All right. Huh. I, I really got turned around a second ago. I, for, I forget what I, what I was even trying to say. Um, we were getting through the beast with Ganondorf, and yeah, he sends you, you do the stuff, you fight the Phantom Ganon, and then he waits for you to show up under the, right. the castle. He's just waiting for you to show up. And I I guess it's a matter of how much time passes, because you could do another hundred hours of quests between oh, yeah. that appearance and... Uh, going down to the thing but like that affects his efficacy as a villain i think because when i got down there he was just sitting there in mummy mode and i'm like is is your evil plan to just sit there for a long time until i show up like what 
my, what is, my understanding why am i understand- showing up now and why aren't you doing anything else my understanding is he was still like regenerating okay okay and well, he great. happened to show up again right at the time where he's like oh i'm back to full power now we're good okay well that's that's legit that's watch so me uh dodge your attack video game stuff uh but before we get to that i do want to talk about approaching ganon because i think this is a really effective part of the game it's in retrospect obvious that he is hanging out you know directly beneath hyrule castle and i think that we did this slightly differently where we both checked out that deep pit early on but and and you find like the entrance to a little cave right and I, the first time I went there, I thought I reached a dead end. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is just a pointless little thing where there are some mean monsters. I didn't get to, like, I didn't get as far as there's a Lionel down there. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's, I it's just thought weird. it was a weird little jag, like there are so many weird little extra places in this game. It is a weird thing to navigate. Uh-huh. And then I went in, before the game had told me to, I was like, oh... I think it was when I uh, brightened up enough of the map that I could see what was going on down there. I said, yeah. well, I'll explore this a little bit. I'll explore it a little bit. And um, I got to very deep in because, like, it's a bunch of Hyrule Castle stuff that must have been way, 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 way underground even before all this stuff got moved around. It's wild. Like, it, it implies a, a bunch of cool history of them building on top of way down there. That's cool. And then you find out that this place where the story began is beneath that. Yeah. The stuff from the opening scenes is extremely deep underground, even, even before you do the interminable descent from, you know, you rehash all this stuff that you did in the beginning. That's really cool. And then you break the uh, rocks in front of the rest yeah. of the relief, and it's just them telling you, "Hey, did you know Zelda's a dragon? We, we did. Did we mention this? Zelda's did we tell dragon. you this? That's where the Master Sword is." Yeah. Did you know this? We're telling you this again now, and I'm like, oh, "Come on, man." <laughs> yeah. Um. But then you, uh, then you have to jump even deeper down, which yeah, is yeah, you awesome. go really deep. I tell you what, so. Okay, the first time I went in, there's a bunch of Gibdos and a blocked up wall before you get to the mural room. And that's where I had to nope out because I didn't have my stuff with me. I wasn't allowed to fight these gloom Gibdos. I said, clearly I'm not supposed to be here. Goodbye. Um, And it was really stressful then. Yeah, you actually broke that wall. I, yes, I, oh, also, when you get this deep, the sages go away, which is very chilling. Oh, yeah. Uh, I ran past everything. I yeah, sprinted to get to, and I got all the way to the, the, the first part of the fight. And then oh, immediately the wave died. thing? Yeah, and then I immediately died. Oh, I was way underpowered for it. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, okay, that was, that was stressful enough. Then I, I guess I want to talk a little bit about my approach to the final boss because i you know it's it's just like with breath of the wild you know that what you know that you're going into the thing and it's a matter of like i th- i said on some podcast that the gating in breath of the wild is your dread of approaching the ending very much 
Um, and it was kind of like that here too, where I had to, I thought I had to get really prepared. I need 150 arrows. I need a bunch of good bows. I need a bunch of good weapons. I need um, heartful food, but I also need food made with those sundelions so that I can restore all the hearts that are going to be turned gray. Um, and I kept on thinking of more things I needed because I was just putting off doing the final yeah. mission. Uh-huh. And so, of course, I you know I get to a point and I'm and I'm like, this is going to turn out just like Breath of the Wild, where I'm grossly overprepared. So I guess I can do it now. I went in and the whole approach thing that I had already done, I was still, my heart was pounding. It was still really scary. And um, then they, uh, the, the moment where it says the sages can't reach you down here. I thought that based on having been there already, I thought, okay, that's the point where the sages will come back and, you know, join me when I come here for real after I've, you know, collected all the sages. So I got there and they didn't. And so that made me even more worried, but I was able to get through the rest of the approach pretty, uh, you know, painlessly, uh, cause I know how to handle give those now. And then I got to where there's the big, uh, jump and that, I mean, it's, it's stupid, but like just the, the fact that you have to dive even deeper was really spooky to me like they were really affecting me they were making all the right chemicals go through my brain um and then you get down there to the first to the wave base fight and that's when the friends show up and i actually um (laughs) i was it was the middle of the day i wasn't playing this like in a spooky situation and emily was right nearby making lunch or something and I I was saying to the TV, come on, come on, come on. And she's like, what's going on? And I said, I'm waiting for my friends to show up. Uh, and finally they did. They appeared and we got to do some Hyrule Warriors type combat together. They do love to put this in Zelda. This team likes this because they did this in Skyward Sword too and it's fun there too. Mm. And so then you do a bunch of waves of bad guys and... Um, I was still saving all my stuff for the actual fight. And I, I think I barely took any damage because my friends were doing everything and I was just picking off monsters with bomb arrows. And then the way opens into the actual boss fight. But then all the uh, dungeon bosses show up behind you. And this moment sucks. Why? Because one of two things is going to happen. A, the thing that made my heart sink immediately was, oh my gosh, you're going to make me fight all these bosses again. I don't want to do that. But actually, the lamer answer is B, we're going to fight the bosses from previously in the game. We're not actually going to help you fight Ganondorf. Sorry. Uh, Go fight him yourself. (laughs) So what's the point of collecting all these guys? Well, from what what I I understand, from what I understand, if you don't, this is the same thing as... when you go to Calamity Ganon without doing any of the dungeons, uh, if you don't do the dungeons before doing this, you have to do all those fights there. Oh my gosh. That's stupid. They're doing everything by the book here. Because I did, I refought um, 
marbled rock marbled rock goma um, in the depths. And when it doesn't have a ceiling to get on, and when Yunobo's ghost isn't um, behaving correctly, Yunobo's ghost, like, you're supposed to stay far away from the monster. Yunobo's ghost thinks that the smart thing is to be right underneath the monster, so you can't tell Yunobo's ghost to destroy the blocks, uh, the rocks. It's a pain. I Oh my gosh. Fighting, that, fighting Marbled Rock Goma in that arena where there's no ceiling would be horrible. Probably, but people will get really good at it soon. <laughs> it's oh, good. I suppose. Okay, well, th- still, they're supposed to be there to help me fight Ganondorf. That's what I was led to believe by that cutscene I watched four times, and also those other cutscenes that I watched several times. I saw this battle the first time. I saw how Ralru wasn't able to defeat Ganon with all those friends, so don't send me in there without all my friends. Anyway, Ganondorf is in there and he's a mummy. And if the idea is that he's regenerating, getting ready to, that's fine. Okay. It's, I think that he, just like Calamity Ganon, becomes a weak villain by virtue of just sitting there waiting for you to come kill him. But it's a video game. The fight with Ganondorf is cool, right? Yeah. They, they, they are having fun with it when that when his health gauge goes past that to this really corner funny. of the screen i'm like all right that's fun um when he when he's able to flurry rush you that's like oh boy okay he has yeah, my power he has that's my power. that's that's very evocative when suddenly the thing that only you the player can do in the video game is something that the enemy can do that's always very good yeah i learned that from mario um yeah the it, just like Calamity Ganon, though, the fight is kind of based on we need you to have picked up how to do Flurry Rush. If you or like, I, I guess in uh, Breath of the Wild, it was we need you to know how to deflect laser blasts. Yeah. But it's kind of like if you haven't picked up this one trick for combat, then you're going to have a really rough time. And I feel like I took a long time on that second phase because I'm not very good at flurry rushing because I'm I've learned how to play with all the other toys of combat, you know, mostly with bows. Um, but second form Ganon usually just flicks away arrows, which I think is a cheap shot. I, and I think interesting, it's interesting. Not um, it, it, you know, when everything else in the game is like, do it however you want, figure out some ridiculous way to fight this boss. Um with Ganondorf Phase 2, it's either do what we want you to do or kind of hit him with the Master Sword every once in a while while he's, you know, recovering from something. And it's d- dissatisfying. But overall, it's a cool fight. I had, um, the, I was using the Master Sword with a scale of the Light Dragon attached. I thought that was a cool idea, right? Wait, 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 wait. You can attach that to the Master Sword? Yes. I did not try that once in the game. Oh, I didn't okay. try it until very late. Okay. When I was like, uh, I need, I, I got to like, I have this scale of the light dragon that I think I got from before I knew I was shooting at Zelda. And I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I should attach this. Um, but I'll let you try that out. Um, I don't think it affected much. The They don't surface the attack power of the Master Sword for one thing. 
Um, <laughs> well, they have to like, you know, plot wise, they're like, it's the most powerful it's ever been. It looks the same and we can't just give it 999. So we're just going to, you yeah. know, just let's just not give it a number. That'll help. Yeah. It's just like I, uh, I was dissatisfied with this. But, you know, uh, I don't think there's a, a I, I think you can't win when the plot object has like mechanical uh, responsibilities that don't match with its plot responsibilities. Either you get the master sword that breaks all the time, or you get the master sword that you don't know what it does, or there's, you can't win. Um, Yeah. But I, I did notice that I was not using any of the powerful weapons that I had prepared for the final boss. And I was not using, um, any of the, the 150 arrows. I, I had used a bunch of those in the wave waves before. Um, but you know, it was just me and the master sword and my Twitch skills. And so it wasn't as cool as it could have been. Of course, I did end up eating a lot of the food that I brought and, the thing where he destroys your heart pieces sometimes, or yeah. destroys your heart containers, friggin' fantastic. Very good. Oh my gosh. Even though we saw that in the beginning of the game, right? Like, his power is to destroy your heart containers. It yeah. shows up here, and it just messes with you. I, I, it was another case where, although I was filled with, you know, terror in the uh, approach to this fight... Uh, the ridiculous health bar and the destruction of the um, heart containers was making me giggle. Like I was really amused by how they had created this uh, fight. So it was, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, they want, they want you to have fun, right? right. This is a, this, Nintendo is a toy company. They want you to have fun with their products. And so adding a bunch of really goofy stuff that's meant to surprise you in a way that's like a surprise positive as opposed to a surprise negative mm. is like, you know, it's to be expected. Yeah. Um, then uh, you deplete his giant health bar. And um, I, I don't know if this is what happened for you, but when he tore the, Oh wait, L- let's talk about the la- that later, but let's talk about what it is later. But when he tore the thing off of his head, I didn't know what he was doing. I thought that was a bad move. And then when he started to put it in his mouth, I'm like, oh, I should have seen this coming. I also should have seen it coming. But when he tore it off his head, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what that's okay. where this ends, obviously. All right. Um, he turns into a dragon and he flies into space. And <laughs> I wish it was space. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not a Mario game. <laughs> that's the next game. Uh, probably. Yeah. Well, I, I think that what's really going on here. And if we can set aside some of the irony and cynicism that we've expressed in this podcast, I think what what the team really wants and what they're going to do with the next game or the game after that is to make a Zelda game that is a Metroid game and to make Zelda and Metroid finally be friends. But clearly we're not there yet. No. Anyway, back to Tears. Oh, he uh, he turns into Dragon. And um, you get to team up with Zelda Dragon. And I, I, I wasn't the first person to come up with this, this idea, but I expressed this idea on our episode about the Breath Dragon, Breath Ganon fight. Or like when he's Big Pig Ganon out in Hyrule Field and he's just standing there. 
the reason that fight sucks is because they wanted to do Shadow of the Colossus and have you climb all over him, and they couldn't manage it. Yeah. And I feel vindicated, or like, I this proves my theory, <laughs> that uh, that's what they wanted to do, because this time you get to climb around on the Ganon Dragon and stab him in his separating sores, and... Uh, it's awesome. It's a really cool big boss fight, right? It's fine. It's it's much better version of what they were doing in Breath. Yeah. The Breath version of this is like you spend a lot of time looking at the backside of a of Calamity again and Yeah. And here you're just like circling around a bunch of dragons and dragons are cooler than pigs. Dragons are cooler than, than pigs. Um and I, I thought it was really effectively done and like I could tell that it was the victory lap. Yeah. And so I wasn't, like, I, I I was just... You've already won the game at this point. You're yeah. just going, you're doing the final thing. And so I was able to have a lot of fun with it. And a lot of stabbing. A lot of stabbing. And um, then the game ends about, like, th- five or six times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, he goes kaput. He goes kaput. He explodes, and you have to worry about like I was. I was really trying to figure out what he was exploding on top of because I feel like there is a big crater where one of the staples used to be. The ghosts of Rauru and Sonia come back and use your arm to turn Zelda back into a princess. And I boo loudly. Oh wow! Okay. Did uh, not again. I did, did not. I knew they were going to do this, but I did not want it to happen. And but then, um, you're still in space, and Zelda is falling, and you need to fall faster to catch up with her. This part of the game is fantastic. It's just a stupid quick time event, but it's so affecting because she like she's falling through space. She's gonna crunch her head, and. You have to fall faster, and you have to catch up with her, and you have to grab her, and then there's a quick time event to, like, grab her, and I feel like there's another one to, like, save her, right? Something like that? Something like that. I don't remember exactly. And I was just like, this is, I was having a great time. It, the blood started pumping again after my victory lap where I wasn't so worried. Um, this is something they figured out very early on, and probably, to some extent, came up with the dragon plot to justify Oh, could be. Yeah. Um, this is the, okay, if we add falling through the sky, we add diving, what can we do with that? Yeah. And somebody came up with this, and we we get a lot of what's in the game because of this, I think. It wasn't until I saw this happen again in the credits that I realized that at the beginning of the game where Zelda falls down and you can't catch her, that is foreshadowing or that's like the mirror of this like the resolution of the game is that zelda falls down but you can catch her and save her uh and i thought i started tearing up when i realized how good a job they did with that that was rad um of course it it didn't make me tear up at the time it was only as i was seeing it rehashed in the credits that i realized that the moment in gameplay had been so effective so how about that I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, I uh, one thing we haven't said is that a lot of the dialogue in this game is dumb. Sure. And I think that... Well, uh, 
the the spoken dialogue. I like yeah, some yeah. of the written stuff. There's no. some there's some good text with NPCs. Extremely good point. I'm I'm talking about in cutscenes. Um, oh, yeah, I, the, some of the yeah. stuff they give Zelda to say is really dopey and doesn't match. Or I guess like it, it's two different approaches where you're trying to do cool cinematic talking and you're trying to do amusing short sentences of NPCs giving you quests and it's you know it's really not comparable um but there's something that Zelda says um right after you rescue her that comes off really stupid there's also a, a memory where like the blow to a scene is Zelda says okay and it sucks um yeah but whatever um bu- 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 bu. <clears throat> then there's the credits did i miss anything no then, then there's credits we actually see all the credits she says thank you which is nice and then you get the post credits <clears throat> then you get the post credits which is kind of says, nothing it's you know what nothing i zelda i there's someone i'd like you to meet and metroid comes up from behind the column and she says we're taking you to space finally um, no, it, and you know, I think that the post credits scene is really leaning on the assumption that we care about Minoru at all. Yeah, I guess so. But because she, le- yeah, you know what, you're right. Yeah, because it's all about oh, she's gone now, and the robot falls apart. Oh, and, yeah. Minoru, my favorite character is. She went to heaven to be with Rauru and Sonia. Okay. I don't know why she, like, there's no compelling reason that she should leave, since apparently her power is to be a ghost. Yeah. But she says, I have to go now, and I say, okay, see you later, Minoru. Or not. No, probably not. Okay, and then, yeah, it's it's a nothing thing. But I feel like I, I, I can sympathize with the idea, or with the problem, of creating a game that people are going to play for hundreds of hours and trying to put a, a bow on that experience um, and saying, you know, like, what can we give you at the end? This is a flawed way of looking at the game, but you can't help, <laughs> it. You can't help but think this way, especially when yeah. you're making the game. What can we give the player that will pay off for all of that? And really what pays off for it is the fun you had while you were playing it, but they yeah. feel like they need to put a really ridiculous amount of cinematic at the end and it's dumb they should just do less cinematic again they're they're much stronger when they're not doing cinematic um yeah well we'll get into, but that's into that's that that's in, games in general that's that's maybe my opinion on games in general though, oh i don't so. want to say that <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if i back that up entirely but that's just me being flippant let's not talk about all that stuff. We have more points to get yeah. into. Because it's time for segment 15, question bag. Uh, This is mostly, this is also me mostly being flippant, I think. Okay. I just had a lot of open-ended questions about, that we already asked, how much time has passed? What happened to all the Sheikah tech? Um, uh, who sent Zelda back in time? Like, there's that's a, an interesting point. We That's never acknowledged. She's just sent back to eventually become a dragon by somebody. And Rauru says at some point that like he, he he says I think that 
uh, the future Zelda is coming from is one where she never came back to warn them about everything. But we know that's not the case. Um, the, the world that Zelda came from is the world that Zelda helped create after she went into the past. So it's a, it's not like there is a separate timeline out there where Ganondorf won and made all this stuff necessary. Yeah, um, this is inher- this is inherently a close inherently. This is a closed time loop as yeah. far as we can tell, which is better than the alternative. Um but then isn't it wild that Rauru makes that point? But of course, that's lazy time travel writing, which is not a surprise. Um yeah, I I wonder if that's something they'll elucidate at some point or if it just does not matter. No, I, I like leaving aside everything else and just thinking about it's a story, there's no obvious mechanism for Zelda to go back in time except that okay, well, wait. She got the that stone. Did she have that stone when she went back this- in time? The she had falls she, off of um, the arm. She right? grabbed the stone that fell off the arm, which okay. would have been Raru's stone, which okay. is not the stone that had any kind of time juice in it. Well, but that's not how the stones work. Let's go into the next question. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. How many secret stones are there? <sighs> also, secret stone. That's what that's I'm her, groaning about. That's sure a name that they decided to just stick with. It sucks so bad. It's not good. It's the dorkiest dang thing. And it's so much less interesting. Like, again, this being a parallel to an Ocarina of Time style style story, it's so much less interesting that these are secret stones that amplify powers and let you turn into a dragon versus, like, an artifact left by the gods that grants wishes. Mm. Yes. We're we're never going to see the Triforce in this timeline. No. Uh, well, we saw it for a second when Zelda used it to seal. No, because that's not Triforce anymore. She just has light powers, but and oh, she also has Triforce time powers. powers. I think she that's has the. Triforce. I Don't, think that's just the shape that light powers happen in. Oh, now. okay. Trying. <laughs> that's the symbol for light powers. I get it. Um, no, okay. The established rules are the secret stones amplify what powers you have in your bod. Zelda has in some of the clunkiest oh i hate this she has both light powers and time powers yeah Um, so it's 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 acceptable as long as you accept all those premises that um the the stone when it's not corrected to rauru's arm doesn't have any inherent you know affiliation but when it ends up in zelda's hand and zelda has these time powers then it can amplify her time powers and send her back in time 10,000 years or however long. I guess so. Um, um, here's my, So here's my count of secret stones. Okay. Are you ready? I, I have a guess. Go. I think there are... Oh, I lost count. Oh, Ten. Okay. Show your work. All right. In the present, or there were ten. There were there were at least ten stones, because you have the five that the sages have. Okay. You got the one that Ganon Man has. Okay. You got the one that Zelda ate. 
Okay. You have three other dragons out there. Oh, sure. Okay. So, who are those people? Did they eat other stones that we haven't seen yet? I think that's a cool idea. I was I was thinking the same thing that the I guess those dragons might be people who ate secret stones at some point they have for to some be. reason. They have to be by they the logic that they've introduced here. Um did they say that there are no dragons that aren't people who ate secret stones? The way they present Zelda and Ganon as dragons like it's got to be the same thing. So I I hope that they do something with that. Okay. That would be cool. I think that would be cool too. I think it's possible for there to be more than one kind of dragon, Zach. No, I oh, refuse. Okay. Um, no, that that's that's a cool angle that we will not find out any more about. But yeah, well, maybe cool in here. the future. Oh, okay, we'll here's find- segment sixteen: <laughs> the future. I think they'd leave a lot of. Obviously, this game is going to get DLC. I feel like that's not. I think I feel like that's the thing I can just say, and it's just true, right? Don't ask me. I'm always the person who says there's other possibilities. I didn't even believe that it was a sure thing that it was nuts and bolts. <laughs> that's true. Okay, it seems like this will get DLC, and I was looking at like plot threads that are left unresolved. I think the dragons. I think I think they could do something where we find out about these three people. Yeah, Even if be... they just turn out to be the unnamed uh, sages from the past or whatever. Hmm. Um, I sincerely think they will do something with Guardians. We'll get like a Trial of the Sword style challenge where it's like, oh, hey, if you go in that pit over there, that's where we put all the Guardians. They're all down there. It's bad down there. You don't want to go down there. That's a fun idea. Um, Cass, our good friend Cass... Oh, is yeah. in fact absent from this game. Oh, and you, you checked? Uh, I I asked a lot of people online. <laughs> um and Ryan, uh did you get to the end of the newspaper quest? Yeah. So you know that our buddy the reporter is Ten. like hanging out at Cass's place. Yeah. So that feels like a definite hook for a DLC thing. Yeah, the fact that he's just standing there forever it, it it feels kind of conspicuous. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh Oh, the other thing that we, we've gone long enough, but I'm just going to. Okay. Did you hear about our friend our, our that, that we got our wish vaguely for Wait. this video game? What? Uh, There's a cut scene or yeah, there's a cut scene, I guess, where of the mem- the, the memory stuff. Um, Koma and Kotaki are in the game what oh apparently there's apparently some of the uh like the Gruto that are hanging around behind him when he's about to attack apparently are labeled kome and kotake if you look at like the gerudo on their clothes okay so ah, uh, that's so cool <laughs> and like on the gloom uh weapons the writing on that says kome and kotake ah. so uh twin robo dlc please please nintendo please i didn't please? see there was writing on the gloom weapons I, I saw pictures on Twitter where somebody pointed it out. Is it in Gerudo script? Yes. Okay. Actually, it's the Wind Waker Hylian script. Uh, please, Nintendo, Twin Robo, yeah. please? Okay. please, 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 please. That's the other thing. Uh, if if this podcast is going to be nine hours long, um, 
so there's like Zonai writing that you see in a lot of places. Uh-huh. And um, we were thinking, well, it's probably just like the Sheikah text in Breath, right? It's just like, it's a cipher for English and it'll say stuff. And then someone, uh, J-Mac sent me a tweet or a master tweet um, where someone was saying this, like, well, obviously it looks like Chinese Oracle Bone carving script, you know? Is this yeah. obvious? I, I'm not versed enough to say, but sure. Um, uh, Oracle script, bronze script, seal script. Um, and this, this person says, you know, this inscription early in the game really looks like it could be, uh, you could draw it out into, or you could correlate it to Chinese characters that say, um, uh, people must not go to, they they translate it as, nobody no, must go beneath Hyrule Castle Town. Oh, wait, um, really? Well, the thing is, um, the, uh, like, that that might apply to that particular statue, but for the rest of the Zonai script in the game, there is only fourteen different glyphs, oh. and the people who are trying to translate anything in the rest of the game are just hitting wall after wall, and it's pretty clearly just pulling random glyphs from that small set. That's so disappointing. It is disappointing, but it's a great metaphor for caring about the storyline or timeline in this game i guess yeah i don't know as aside from dlc this leaves me thinking like what are they gonna do with zelda going forward in general i hope that the next thing is smaller scale yeah (laughs) please i cannot do another six-year cycle well and i was thinking i want to play dungeons like the dungeons in 2D Zeldas, I guess. Specifically, I want to play more dungeons like my favorites, like Turtle Rock and Link's Awakening. And But then I was thinking, I, I'm not going to rely on Zelda to do that. I want other people to come up with good Zelda dungeons in other games, and I can play those other games. And they don't have to be Zelda games. Um, I, yeah. So I, someone to give me the link ahead. to a good game with good dungeons. I, I have also been on a similar thing where after being very let down by the story in this game i'm like i'm gonna go play a zelda game with a good story so i'm not gonna go play anodyne 2 again <laughs> uh because i've been thinking about that game a lot and it's fantastic and it's got a good story so uh listener you can go play another game it's fine yeah it it, it really does suck how much of the how much of what this game wants to do or how much people expect it to do or whether it's good or whether this part is good or whether that part is good ends up being tied into it being a Zelda game where if it weren't if we weren't like considering it against everything else in the franchise or like expecting certain things out of the franchise then we'd be able to understand this game we'd be able to get more out of it i think if we weren't looking at i it still that way. fundamentally think that like you would still compare this game to breath of the wild and be disappointed in that terms like uh very disingen- 
disingenuous uh, comparison, but this game made me think a lot about the game Crackdown 2. Uh, Crackdown was a 360, like, launch title, an Xbox 360 launch title, where you were, like, a super cop running around a city, like, fighting crime, and then the twist at the end is like, aha, you're actually the real criminal, you're the real evil person all along because you're helping found a fascist state in this city or whatever. It's stupid. It's fun. They made a sequel, like, a really quick sequel, like, within a year or two, that fundamentally, that, that did nothing to advance the story it was just like okay you're back in that city you're a different cop and there's giant pits in the ground and there's zombies down there um and that was the entire plot and that was a disappointment of just like okay well they they had something fun going on with the city but they just wanted to just do another thing okay sure and obviously tears of the kingdom is a better game than crackdown 2 i want to make that clear but like i couldn't help but just be like they just they had an opportunity to like they could just because they don't want to be adherent to the stuff that came before doesn't mean they couldn't do something or say something with what they were doing instead they kind of just went for a very maximalist sequel which is fun but like it just doesn't didn't have it for me so that was my letdown okay is that the end of the podcast do we have anything else to say no, I'm I'm spent. Okay. I, I'm gonna go watch somebody play Breath of the, or Tears of the Kingdom now because somebody started streaming Tears of the Kingdom that I want to go watch. Eh. Oh, hey, um, <laughs> did you get? I I saw what you get for doing all the shrines. Have you seen it? <gasps> yeah, dude. I'm excited. I saw a very to do bad screenshot shrines. of it. I I wasn't planning on doing all the shrines, but now I'm like, well, I kind of have to. And so, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to have fun taking a long time doing all the shrines. I need some space from this game for a while. And so then you're going to watch someone stream it right now? Yeah. Okay. But like, I need space for me engaging. I need to watch. Yeah. I need to, I need to watch a little bit of it and wait and like exist in the space I did between the first time I played Breath of the Wild and us doing it on the podcast where I just had a couple years where it kind of existed and the DLC came and I kind of just let it go and I was able to like see fun stuff about it and then like on my own time go back and take a nice leisurely pace through it okay. where i play it for like six months straight but, but just, we're like, not going to do a podcast about tears of the kingdom i'm okay with that unless you want to do the caves thing because i'm telling you caves okay i'm stopping caves. recording <laughs> end of podcast